Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Wow, where do we even begin? Just full full context. You know, this is the day after the election. We're recording this. Yeah, after and, the results uh, of the election. After the results, right? Yeah, it's it's a uh, thirty thousand days after the election. <laughs> <laughs> it's the far future. Uh, yeah, you know, the new currency is is rust. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, like after he's tried doing all the evil <laughs> shit and he's come back around to doing good stuff. Yeah, um, but obviously, you know, without getting too into it, we were very relieved by the news and uh, may or may not be very hungover today. So you might actually get a low key episode for once. Yeah. Um, but on top of all that, there's just like there's so much ahead of us that I think we were either like, okay, this is either going to be like paired with excitement and relief or paired with like, I can't, I need to hide yeah. inside and just do this. I was like, no joke. Yeah. I was mentally preparing for the two outcomes where like, okay, what am I going to do in like January, February where like yeah. shit is still really dour. And also I can't leave my house still, yeah. you know, like what games am I playing in that scenario? And what games am I playing in the other scenario where maybe there's some hope, but I'm still stuck in my house. Right, right, yeah. In in which lens do I want to be stuck in my house? Yeah, basically? and and really, what that came down to was: uh, is my winter game going to be Death Stranding or Red Dead Redemption Two? <laughs> what is it now? Um, Did you find? I still haven't really decided which one would have made sense for what scenario. Mm. I feel like Death Stranding because it's more about rebuilding. Yeah, and Red Dead Two is more about self examination. Mm. Both need to happen. Both need to happen. Yeah, maybe I just play both. Maybe that's the answer. Yeah, just do both. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Grow a big mustache. Everybody knows the path to enlightenment is playing Death Stranding and Red Dead Redemption 2 <laughs> on your new next-gen video I'm game console. I'm just messing with you. Um, <laughs> also, the big thing, too, is we're both getting Xboxes next week. Um, yeah. Which is, like, my step into the world of Game Pass. And and shortly before recording, we were, like, looking at what's that on Game Pass. Yeah. And I'm going to grow wings and ascend <laughs> reality. Yeah, I'm excited for the stuff. Yeah, the stuff that's on Game Pass already is going to excite you. The stuff that you can just like go on the Microsoft Store and buy that's backwards compatible is also going to be very exciting to you. I think. Yeah, I'm going to become very powerful. Get moth wings that kind of look like they have eyes on them. That's what I'm going <laughs> to ascend into. What am I saying? Anyway, I, I just you as a you as a moth just bashing your head against Game Pass for some reason. <laughs> Chasing the light only to die there, but into the next <laughs> The green room. light, yeah. You're the, you're the moth yeah. version of, of Jay Gaskin. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, now that we've like alluded that I'm Mothman, uh, what are you kind of excited about on the horizon? I think we want to touch on that a little bit before we get started with the... Yeah, is your console coming day of? It's coming on, on Tuesday, yeah. So yeah, I should too. be getting it delivered then. That's exciting. So Yakuza Like a Dragon comes yes. out that day as well, which I think is going to be my first like big excitement. So the thing is, is I already have an Xbox Series S. It's not Series S, sorry, an Xbox One S. Dumb names still. Um, I have an Xbox yeah, One S currently, which is like, honestly, if you have an Xbox One at the moment in like any capacity, you probably don't need to upgrade yet uh, until there's like a game that I think you think would benefit from it. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, if you're really feeling it just because of like us making a video game podcast and also me being like a huge tech nerd, I just like made sense to get the new thing. But anyway, the thing point being, I've had access to Game Pass for a long time. So like, you know, Game Pass 
rules. I love it. I have a bunch of stuff on it. I'm really excited about it. But like diving into a next gen game like Yakuza Like a Dragon is what I'm like most looking forward to, I think. Um, And there's great stuff coming to Game Pass. The medium that like Xbox Studios game is going to be on there soon. Um, Dragon Quest 11 is getting added there, which is fun. It's the definitive edition, maybe like the one you've heard about for the Nintendo Switch, which I'm still playing, by the way. Um, But that that is just getting ported to Xbox, which is great. Um, So that's really fun. I don't know. Game Pass is going to be sick. So that's happening on Tuesday. And then I just got, I think, confirmation that my PS5 is going to be late. It's going to be delayed a couple of weeks, which I'm actually grateful for because it just gives yeah, me more time. Small to, mercy. Yeah, yeah. Gives me time to mess around with the Xbox a little bit. Um, so I think my my PS5 is going to be in uh, towards the end of the month, which like with that comes uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales, which I probably mm. can't talk about on the show for maybe obvious reasons. But also um, Demon Souls remastered. Yeah, which looks amazing. Just thrilling. They, they revealed like the character creator of that and it's unreal. Yeah, it like, looks like truly. real people finally. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Not like Uncanny Valley mannequins. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah, it looks like they shot for for the Uncanny Valley in earlier Souls games. You know, it was like <laughs> let's let's like firmly like settle ourselves into the Uncanny Valley. It felt like kind of a especially in Dark Souls One where you spend like five hours making a character, then they're just a shriveled corpse anyway. <laughs> you become yeah. undead. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. So I don't know. I'm ex- I'm excited about that stuff. I think the PS5 is gonna have some like really I think it's gonna feel more next gen immediately just because of like those two sure. games launching um astro's playroom which i've been seeing a lot of reviews of is apparently just like an amazing thing a lot of people are saying like yeah it's 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 akin to like a wii sports level like packing right. game that's what i was thinking quality yeah. wise yeah um just the way it uses that new controller so i'm excited about all of that um but i'm still leaning more towards the xbox i think as like the console that i will be playing the most of Weirdly. Me too. I mean, I'm excited to eventually get both. And to echo your thoughts earlier, like if we weren't doing this show, I would be happy to wait a year. Yeah. You know, like that would Same. be like I made my mistakes last gen. I got the Xbox one <laughs> and the PS4 like right when they came out last generation. And I regretted both purchases. Yeah, I, I got a PS4. I think I mentioned this in passing, but I got it in 2016. took like a few years after and like got an amazing deal two free games yeah i loved what i did i loved my decision you got the uncharted collection right or was it uncharted 4 yeah it was um at the time there was like i think a god of war or uncharted 4 were like the bundle options yeah. so i got the uncharted 4 and it came with last of us remastered as oh well. yeah awesome um and it was like a little over 200 this is rules yeah hell yeah that's a great deal wait a few years it's worth it yeah um unless you're doing a show about them but i think when we get them <laughs> we'll probably talk about it i don't i don't expect us to do a whole like tech review of the system you're more sad have you with that than I am but even still people have had the console for so long already you know like yeah. those reviews are out if you're interested in like the technical breakdown of you know the Xbox series s versus X or the ps5 or whatever like yeah all that stuff exists it's online already you can go find it I I tend to in most of my discussions about tech in general um, I, I definitely come at it from the lens of somebody who like knows what's happening specs wise, but more from the lens of like the consumer angle, you know, totally. Yeah. I, I've been uh, to my friends who are I, I think I'm torturing with this information. I've been like writing an iPhone 12 review for like three weeks at this point or whenever the iPhone 12 <laughs> came out. And like most of it is about how my dad went to a Verizon store with his iPhone 5 and walked out with an iPhone 5 again. He was like, I don't want anything. It was, it was like eight or nine 
nine years of iPhone upgrades and he walked out with the same phone he walked in with. <laughs> um, and, and like, that's kind of the lens that I, I look at a lot of tech from. And, I, and that's kind of how I feel about next gen. Like a lot of it's not going to feel very next gen. Like the load times, I think, are going to be the most interesting and noticeable thing, you know. Yeah. Um, but even still, like you're loading previous generation games, you know, and I and I wonder how long it's going to be before people push the hardware so far that like the load times won't even actually be that great anymore you know like yeah. all these games that are coming out at launch are like optimized for these consoles and like definitely not using it to their full capacity you know um so i'm wondering in like three or four years is there going to be like a god of war 2 that actually just has regular load times like we're experiencing now <laughs> you know just because it's like so graphically intense it's possible um, yeah that's true we'll see what happens yeah so there's like that side of it. And then also, I mean, like like we were just saying, I just don't recommend getting them at launch. I don't think either platform really has given like a super compelling reason to get one at launch. And like there's been a fucking global pandemic. I'm, I don't blame them. You know, like yeah, I think in, right. it's in everyone's best interest to probably not get one at launch. But if you're the kind of person who like really wants one and, and you know, you you are lucky enough to have the ability to get one then like do it. I mean, it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to. Uh, get my series s and i'll probably speak on behalf of the s because i feel like in a lot of the tech reviews where the person is like very in the weeds of like tech stuff they're like the series s is great for babies or little dogs like you know <laughs> like, this something like i feel like it's a little bit skewed in that way so i'm getting it almost solely because like i don't have space for like if i'm gonna get a ps5 to have that and the series x yeah it's gonna be like half my apartment yeah. so like i also just think like i i wanted to you know I was thinking about what I want from the system. And at this point, it's mostly Game Pass, which is why I'm going for the S. Yeah. And I also don't have a TV that could even... My TV is nice, but it's not... I don't even... Honestly, if you said, what is 4K, I couldn't tell you. Like, I don't truly even know how to describe that. Yeah, so the difference, I don't care at all about that. I, I will say this as somebody... So I have a PS4 Pro, so I've like seen stuff in 4K. Yeah. Um, and I have a 4K TV, also worth noting. Um, and, and I have a TV that is 4K and has HDR capability. Um, and I will say... Personally, you can notice the difference between 1080p and 4K. I think if you're looking at it a whole bunch, the thing that is way more noticeable is HDR. Um, and that doesn't seem to be the thing that people are really focusing on, at least like on on the like selling point. Like if you if you are PlayStation or Microsoft, you're not talking a whole lot about HDR. You're talking a lot about like 4K at 60 frames per second or 120 hertz refresh rate and like all things that like most people's TVs don't have. Um, yeah, right. But HDR is becoming more popular. It's actually like harder and harder to find a, a TV that's not 4K these days. So like if you go out and buy a TV, like it'll probably be 4K. Um, but I think the, the the HDR side of it is the thing that I think most people are going to notice if, if they have it enabled because because the ability to show a wider color gamut, like the ability to just like show more colors on screen and have the darkers be darker and the lights be lighter is like really fucking cool when you see it. Yeah, um, totally. I, 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 what was it? Forza Horizon 2, I think, was the first game I saw with HDR. And it was like mind blowing. It was like, yeah. I, I don't need this to be in 4K. I don't need this to be 60 frames per second. I just want it to look this vibrant at all times yeah um that's yeah, the totally. thing that i think like gets closer to realism than like just packing more pixels onto the screen um which right. is i think why like a lot of people who have 
computer monitors aren't going for 4K. They're going for, what was it, 1440, which is what the Series S has. Like, the Series S, like, caps out a 1440p resolution. Um, and I think that's probably fine. I, I don't know the difference between 1440 and 4K, like, visually. I don't even know if my eyes would be able to understand it. But yeah, but, but HDR, you will notice. So, like, I think if you're a person who is looking to upgrade your whole system at some point, definitely look for something that is HDR compatible. It'll probably be 4K also, but that that I think is going to be the biggest like visual upgrade. But also, they all look like video games still. That's the th- like at yeah. the end of the day, like even the, even the car games, which I usually am like, "Oh yeah, if you, if you're driving a car in a video game, that's like going to be the most like visually impressive thing." Even car games still look video gamey, you know? We're like firmly in this I think like visual fidelity kind of hole that it's gonna be really hard to get out of eventually. So yeah, I, I think like load times are gonna be the thing that people really focus in on and care most about, I think, in, in this generation, at least in the beginning. Yeah, I think I think you're right. That's all exciting. I'm excited to get into Yakuza finally. I'm excited to get a Series S, the perfect Xbox for dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah, it's gonna be a good time. It's gonna be really cool. Yeah. 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 I think uh I, I think it's gonna be I, I think I think we're gonna have a lot of fun exploring Game Pass together. Oh yeah. Uh, you have no idea the things that await you yeah i did hear i did hear one review i think it might have been on waypoint i think somebody said um they unplugged their um xbox one s and plugged in a series x and it did like the iphone thing where it just imported their settings from one to the other and it was like oh cool they were like it, it was as if i just like turned my console off and turned it back on like i didn't even notice that it was a new console because it looks so similar and then you start running games and it's like oh yeah this is way faster um which i'm is, probably which is cool. due for a new tv as well because I, I bought this from a friend like five years ago so like yeah <laughs> like it's fine but you know I, I feel like i could probably get something that's like a substantial upgrade for not that much so maybe i'll look into that as well yeah but i also got to get a new laptop because the battery ain't working anymore <laughs> uh, yeah yeah so many things changing new year new year tech woes the podcast <laughs> <laughs> welcome to tech woes <laughs> this is sponsored by you guessed it monsanto <laughs> <laughs> Monsanto. Off. Um, anyway, off. Uh, all of that said, I mean, this is this is kind of like a weird in between week for us. I think just because like yeah. we're very much just waiting for the next generation to happen. And I think it's gonna be really exciting, and we're gonna have a lot to talk about when it does. Um, but mm-hmm. you've been playing. Well, do you want to take a break, or do you want to just get into it? Let's take a break, and then we'll, we'll jump into it. Yeah, okay. this feels like its own. But this happens all the time. We're like, let's like kind of just open, and then it's a whole segment. Yeah, uh, let's chill, and then come back with what I've been playing. Yeah. Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. What is it? You'll find out soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. Steven, we're back. And uh, here to resolve the exciting cliffhanger from the last segment previously on Into the Aether. Yeah, last time you had no idea what was coming next. Now you're going to find out. Um, I have been playing on Switch a game called I Am Dead. It is a lovely game published by our muse, Annapurna, <laughs> uh, developed by Hollow Ponds and uh, Richard Hogg is the designer. It's a game that I, I saw, I think, in one of the various like indie directs from Nintendo, I believe. It might have been a different event, but I remember seeing footage of it and being like, oh, that's beautiful. But there was just so much coming out at that time. I think it was like the same direct as... Uh, when they're like, Hades comes out later today, <laughs> I think. <laughs> e- either way, I definitely saw this game and like it was on my radar, but I, I didn't get it right away. Yeah. Um, and I'm in, as the year kind of winds down, I'm in this mode of like wanting to check out games that came out this year that, I, that are kind of on my radar 
before we do our game of the year episode. So I picked up I Am Dead on Switch. I believe it's also on a few other systems. Let me double check. Yeah, it's on uh, Switch and PC, I believe, at the moment. Yeah, so you can get it in both places. And it's a really lovely game. It's um, basically the premise is you are this museum curator who has died and you kind of control his ghost in a way that's kind of like a... uh, It reminds me a little bit of Island's non-places that we talked about Mm. in the Itchio bundle where like you're kind of getting this view of like a 3D environment and like rotating around it. And it's narrated by him and the spirit of his dog Sparky who is like... Wow. Kind of like weirdly a spirit fairer kind of thing. There have been a lot of games this year that have been kind of like all about death positivity in a way, or yeah. like about moving on and embracing that. And this game is is in a similar realm. I think Spirit Fairer is a little bit more melancholy than I Am Dead. I Am Dead's a little bit more like we love Katamari and its design that there are people like with apples for heads and like everything is very colorful. Yeah, um, it's by the it's by the um, developers of I think Wilmot's Warehouse and Hohokam. Oh, okay, that makes sense. So that kind of yeah. that kind of tracks I think visually. Yeah. But basically you're you play as the curator and he's like kind of learning how life works as a ghost. And then he meets the spirit of his dog cuz he's like <laughs> he's just like in the museum that he was the curator for and he's like, "Well, now that I'm a ghost, I can kind of pass through things. I don't really know what it means, but it's a fun way to pass the time <laughs> so like you gotta kind of like phase through 3d objects and like see what's inside them so like as you're kind of looking at all these things in the museum you find an urn with your dog's ashes and you look at the name tag and the name tag on their collar kind of summons sparky mm. into the ghost realm so you and sparky basically are looking for what's called a custodian. You need to find a new custodian for this island. Um, there's a giant volcano kind of in the center of this island and like various parts of it. Yeah. And the custodian is basically like code for some type of spirit that is like chosen to kind of attach themselves to this island to make sure that everything is like in harmony. Mm. Otherwise this volcano is going to go off. That's sort of like the looming threat. Okay. But basically that's uh, as far as I am concerned in in the beginning phase, I I have now like three, what you could consider levels of like, I'm like three levels in out of six. It seems to be a shorter game um, if I'm like understanding the pacing correctly. But basically the game is you and Sparky um, trying to release various spirits by exploring a 3D environment and um, looking for characters that have like a thought bubble over their head. And if you zoom into them you are kind of like reconfiguring in this like weird liquidy way their memories of whoever that person is. So there's usually like, I want to say five or six characters who like have some kind of tale with this spirit that you're trying to bring into the ghost realm. So you kind of end up learning like a lot about this character through other people's perspectives. So like the first setting is in a lighthouse and the lighthouse keeper has passed away um and the various characters that you go into their heads like one is uh this this yogi who uh, was a student of the lighthouse keeper who you learned through that was a yoga instructor Mm. so like his whole story is like you know i followed this guy all over the country like no other class was the same so there's like a lot of admiration there you also find from someone else that like at night he would just like shoot golf balls off the lighthouse with this young woman like that was their friendship and they all all these stories are tied to a specific item so it's kind of like you explore the environment 
you get their story and then you look for that item in the environment. But what I appreciate is that like you have those really personal stories like that, but you also like on the top of the lighthouse, you just have a seagull who's like, I took this thing and put it in my nest. Like that's like their whole train of thought. There's nothing deeper. (laughs) Uh, So, and then once you get all the items in an, in a setting, you uh, play as Sparky who kind of like flies around the environment and like barks and kind of, kind of like flower or or journey like you're collecting all these like kind of ghostly things that you're bringing color back into Mm -hmm. and then that person shows up and you talk to them and then the then you're like hey do you want to be the custodian they're like no way dude but i'm a ghost now thank you i can have fun (laughs) so it's really it's just really nice like it's a very uh well-written game the voice acting is like really fun it's super colorful and i think while the mechanic of like just finding things isn't super compelling inherently the environment are so beautiful to explore and to experience that it really is kind of like islands non-places where you're just sort of like getting like pulled into this place and like learning about it it's a very nice game to play when you're like just unwinding like whether you wake or waking up or about to go to sleep like just having this sort of loose structure and it is i mean i guess you would say it's a visual novel but it's like kind of configured to be this sort of like loose puzzle game where you're like finding yeah it seems a little pieces yeah a little like point and click uh hide and seek kind of vibe yeah yeah like um, i spy with a narrative (laughs) that's actually a great way to put it um so i've i've done that now for two characters and like the first setting is the lighthouse the second one is like a park where there's like a bunch of sculptures so like the perspective has changed too and now i'm like in a port town so like they play with perspective a lot and they play with like the palette is always different it's a really cool game i'd highly recommend it yeah i've been enjoying it it. sounds really cool it sounds really good um yeah yeah I, i this has been on my list for a long time and i'm the only reason i haven't picked it up yet is because i'm like so deep in eichenfell i think i'm like getting closer to the end there yeah um yeah i've been playing a lot of eichenfell still myself i want we we both said we're committed to seeing it through to the end and very much sticking to that yeah yeah which i'm i'm still kind of surprised by honestly that i feel such a strong pull to it but i mean it's it's a good video game it's good um it's a good game talked a lot about last week but yeah um i think i think this is probably gonna be next on my list for the switch game i play after eichenfell is over um yeah because i mean a it's annapurna as you mentioned it's just like our muse in general Uh, (laughs) but b i mean it just it just looks so wonderful and and exploring a topic like this um with such like a a graceful handling i think is is um something to be noted and lauded you know yeah absolutely and it seems pretty short too which like i always appreciate you know i mean a because we're doing this podcast it's nice to have a game you can just like finish in a few hours yeah but like, I just think it's also like impressive to to do a lot in a shorter amount of time. Yeah, I love a, I love an endless open world game, but like, <laughs> I also like intentionality and focus, uh, and doing that in a short time could be very meaningful. Yeah, did you ever play Donut County? I haven't. I listen to the soundtrack almost every day, uh, and we talked about <laughs> really? it in the past. Yeah. <laughs> Why do I? I'm like I'm losing my mind. We talked about it like uh, no, not that part. The soundtrack. Ago. You listen to the oh. soundtrack every day, but you haven't played the video game. <laughs> Maybe not every day, but it's a it's on a lot of my playlists. I really like the soundtrack wow. to this game. Okay, yeah, you should play it. it, it that's that's another. It feels similar um, from like a visual standpoint a little bit, but it another one yeah. where you will be like in and out real quick. Uh, it's also available on iPhone and it works really yeah. well on mobile. I'm going to get that. That sounds great. I think you'll like it a lot. It's also Annapurna. It's also Annapurna. You're controlling like a hole in the ground with a, by a raccoon with a, like a remote control, yep. right? Yep. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. 
<laughs> you listen to the soundtrack every day and you haven't played it. That just hit me like a ton of bricks. <laughs> it was very funny. I like that you thought that the other part was what I was asking about. <laughs> I have that. Do you have that with any games? I have a few games where I've like listened to the soundtrack a lot, but I haven't played them. Final Fantasy Thirteen. No, listen to the soundtrack a lot, and I haven't played it. Wow. Yeah, I don't have that with any yeah. games. Um, <laughs> All right. The closest I might have that with is Dust Force. Um, did you play Dust uh, Force? No, I know that is older indie game. Uh, you're like a you're a person with a broom and you're sweeping leaves off of places. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's like a really like intense kind of like Super Meat Boy esque uh, platformer. It's like an earlier indie game, mm-hmm. but an incredible soundtrack. And I didn't play the game a whole lot, but I always listen to the soundtrack. It's like one of my favorite video game soundtracks ever. Yeah, I think I find. I mean, I really like video game soundtracks and I like looking them up independently of like the games themselves which is probably why I end up in this fate a lot <laughs> but I also like when I ran a D&D campaign I used like a lot mm. of video game music for that yeah. so I would always be looking up like orchestral stuff or like more low key stuff and actually that's kind of how I got into Persona as well I started listening to the soundtrack oh, wow. of, of 3 and 4 before I had played those games 5 I got like while I was playing it for the first time but yeah I knew I knew of the music before I played them. That's cool. Which is kind of an interesting experience. Yeah. yeah. Now you're a jazz fan. But yeah, now I like jazz and now I am a big Persona fan. That's great. Um, mm-hmm. Cool. So uh, yeah, I, I'm going to check out I Am Dead. It sounds really good. It's great. It's a good time. It's very chill. It's interesting because like, I feel like we've come over this like hump of like we had a lot of games to check out and play in, in anticipation of Goaty. And even though there's a lot of stuff on the horizon, like we just mentioned, Dark Souls Remastered, Spider-Man Miles Morales, uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon, which is getting wildly good reviews. Um, yeah, I'm so excited. Anyway, for all that. that stuff coming out and like the, the next gen stuff happening in general, it feels like there's still a lot on the horizon, but I, I feel like it's all more manageable now. I feel like we've like come over this like crest. Um, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm excited to boil down this big list into something more manageable. There's so many games Me on this too. list. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I feel I feel the same way. But yeah, that's that's all I have to say about I Am Dead. It's it's a very really zen and charming experience um it's one of those games where it's like hard to say a lot about without like you know ruining it. i feel like just experience it yeah but i hope i did a good job pitching it yeah um I, I while while we're on that topic maybe i'll just mention another game i've been playing real quick um sure because i don't really have a lot to say about it either but um over on apple arcade our old friend apple arcade uh, which i still have a subscription to devolver released a new version of reigns uh reigns for those of you who may or may not know is is a game uh essentially the way i always describe it to people is tinder for monarchy um you take the role of like a king or a queen there's a there's a second one called uh, reigns her majesty uh where you play as a queen but essentially um people will come up to you and they will ask you for things uh so like hey we need to fortify the wall on the eastern side of our country or whatever uh and you can say yes or no i i want to do that or i don't want to do that and do Doing so will like change the uh, a couple of metrics that you have to like keep track of and kind of like keep balanced. Um, and the longer you keep it balanced, the longer your reign is. Um, anyway, so those games are interesting. There are three of them, or there were three of them. There was Reigns, Reigns Her Majesty, and a like Game of Thrones edition, and they were all very very similar. I mean, it was really just like we're really exploring the same idea over and over again. There's one that just came out for Apple Arcade. And it's called Reigns Beyond, and I think you would like it in particular. 
and I, I, oh, I recommend cool. people check it out if they have Apple Arcade. It's really cool. Um, you are a person who wakes up on a spaceship like in the middle of nowhere and you're like crash landing into a planet. And when you do, you run into a, a band, like a rock band, like a space rock band um, that is like currently on tour. I think you yeah, you kill their guitarist when your ship lands and crashes onto them. And then you make it up to them by picking up the guitar and revealing that you're an incredible guitarist also. <laughs> um, so the game is about you and this band like flying around space and being on tour um, and like choosing what planets to go to. Uh, and, and you're also fighting like not fighting, but like kind of interacting with this weird like HAL 9000-esque uh, AI that's on your ship. <laughs> um, and you just kind of like go around and you manage like how famous your band is and you have to like oh my god i love that yeah you have to decide between like going to visit planets to just like hang out at bars or like are you going to like play a show somewhere um it's really 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 cool it's like I, it feels like what i wanted after playing the first reigns in a way where i played that game and i was like this is really cool i've really enjoyed this experience i'm excited to see where they go in the future and like use this kind of mechanic for other things kind of like when you and i played florence and we were like the next game by whoever by the people that made florence is going to be really cool um that's how i felt about reigns also and i was kind of bummed out to see that it was just like more monarchy stuff and then like a game of thrones version um this is very much what i was hoping for it it feels like a kind of natural progression and like a more ambitious take on what they had already done with that first game yeah so reigns beyond sounds awesome. it's cool i don't want to say much more about it because i don't want to like spoil stuff but i've been having a really good time with it i've been playing it for like an hour a day for the past couple of days it came out on friday um so yeah it's good oh yeah it's a good game sold i love that uh you want to take a break and move on yeah that sounds good see you in that see you then <laughs> goodbye Somewhere beyond the sea. Hey, Steven. Under the sea. Oh, no, wait. That's Down by the Sea? What's the Sweeney Todd song? I have no idea. Of the two of us, you would know that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I was thinking of that when you were swaying. We're back. We're back. And not talking about musical theater, unfortunately. We're talking about Bioshock. You've been playing the uh, the trilogy on Switch, and specifically you wanted to talk about Bioshock 2, because it's kind of the one that goes under the radar a lot. Yeah, man. So I uh, just, like, top-level quick thing. Um, if you are interested in the Bioshock games, you haven't played them. If you're interested in any of the Bioshock games and you haven't played them, um, and you have a Nintendo Switch, and you're like, do these games run well on Switch? They run really well on Switch. Some of the audio can be a little bit crunchy. That's kind of it, though. Uh, it's really good. So yeah, I played, um, I played one and two on switch and then I played infinite on Xbox one. I did load up infinite on switch and it still runs really well. So, uh, yeah, can recommend anyway. Um, yeah, I, I replayed these games. I mean, on the uh, onset, I, I just was like, these would be good for spooky season in general Um, and then just like ended up getting kind of lost in playing them uh, and just like enjoying them uh, or at least enjoying revisiting them. So um, I kind of held off for a little bit uh, for a little while. Also, I wanted to like finish two and like really experience all of two uh, because that was the one I was most interested in checking out. But I will say just like top level Bioshock one still fucking holds up really good ass video game. Um, I understand a lot of the criticisms a lot of people have about it, like using themes as set dressing and not actually exploring them. 
I think like one of the more interesting things about Bioshock in general uh, and, and maybe a little bit of pushback on that criticism in general also is just this idea that like you go and visit Rapture, the guy, uh, Andrew Ryan, uh, has all these like Ayn Rand Atlas Shrugged ideals about like exceptionalism and some people are better than others and I'm going to like kidnap them maybe and put them in Rapture uh, so they can all live together uh, with no regulation whatsoever. Um, and it'll be really cool when a plastic surgeon uh, has like kind of superpowers and also has no rules about how to make people's faces. Uh, Sick idea, dude. Can't wait to see it unfold. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure that's going to go super well. Um, <laughs> hey, why is everyone crucified down here? What happened? <laughs> why um, can't I shoot bees out of my arm? What's going on? Yeah. A, a real, a real mess. So I, I think, I think the pushback on that idea that it doesn't really engage with any of those themes is just that rapture has fallen apart. When you, when you get to rapture yet, yeah, it's fucked. Um, so, I mean, that is cool. And that is definitely a take. And then there's really not much more after that, you know, like right. after that, it's just exploring yeah. like how it fell apart, not really exploring the ideas uh, any further. Um, so I, I kind of get where people are coming from, but I, I do think the setting uh, lends a lot to that idea. Yeah, it's really, really, really good still. Uh, Bioshock 1, especially that first like hour is like one of the more yeah, like the beginning of the game is great. Yeah. yeah. Just from like, you know, Obviously, the art direction is unbelievable. That whole that whole trilogy, just like gorgeous games. Um, but also the sound design is really strong. A lot of like you hear echoes coming down hallways of splicers kind of like dragging their wrenches on the ground and shit like really good, really good video game. Bioshock Infinite is a real shit show. I'm not really going to get into it a whole lot. Uh, it's yeah. definitely been weird playing it during election week. I'll say that much. Yeah. Um, but that game is is a mess, is like really a mess. That game does all the things that people criticize Bioshock 1 for in like a really big way, because um, it really is like, here's a whole lot of racism and we're not going to ask any questions about it. It's just going to be there as a way for you to know that people are bad. But then you go meet the oppressed people. You meet the revolutionaries who are rising up against that racism and they also paint them as evil. And then they're the final boss. Uh, so that game is very yeah, confused about yeah. what it's trying to do thematically. That game does not hold up really outside of the art direction. Again, it just is very pretty. Um, but woof. Uh, it, yeah. it, it tries to say some things and fails at pretty much all of them um, outside of maybe sequels are hard to make. Uh, which I think, which I think is an interesting theme that Bioshock Infinite tries to explore. But guess what, dear listener? The interesting sequel already exists to Bioshock, and it's not Infinite. No, it's Bioshock Two, a game <gasps> not by Irrational Games, not directed by Ken Levine. It's by Two uh, K Marin, I think. Um, if I if I'm not mistaken, it's by a Two K Studio. Uh, essentially, yeah. uh, Irrational Games was working on Bioshock Infinite. It was taking a really long time, so they were like, "Okay, we're gonna make a game in the meantime," and they made Bioshock Two, uh, which is a very silly game in which you are playing as a big daddy uh, and you are exploring Rapture after the events of the first one. So Rapture is even worse than it was in the first one. When you visit the first time, uh, it's like decrepit, it's falling apart, things are bad. Andrew Ryan, still alive. Uh, Frank Fontaine slash Atlas, still alive. Uh, you wipe them out at the end of that game. Very fun, sorry, spoilers for Bioshock 1. That game's 13 years old, I apologize. Bioshock 2 is like, okay, it's been like decades since then. Where's Rapture at now? Guess what, it's even worse. Uh, you're a big daddy, so you have a drill for an arm. You can also like replace it with like a rivet gun, uh, which is like supposed to be used for fixing Rapture, but now you're just using it to impale splices in the head. Uh, but... Outside of that, the game is like 
actually exploring some really interesting themes. It does it does the exact opposite of what people criticize the first one for and what you can definitely criticize Infinite for. Um, it really just like says we don't have to introduce Rapture to you anymore. The, this idea that like, you know, how does a city exist on the bottom of the ocean? You learned all that in the first one. So now we can just tell a cool story within that place. Um, so Bioshock 2 is is about um, like the power vacuum that happens after Atlas and Andrew Ryan are dead uh, because those two were like warring with one another and like what happens now. So I, I'm not going to get like too far into like the players in, in the in the world, but really uh you kind of have like i would say a like donald trump adjacent kind of vibe uh with your villain in this game um she kind of comes in and is like okay the only way we're gonna make this through uh, or we're gonna make it through this uh horrible situation is to all band together but that's only gonna work if you band together with me and my cool ideas so the game is about like exploring what happens to the people who don't fall under that umbrella like if you're a person who's like actually you sound also evil i don't think i'm gonna follow you uh, <laughs> yeah. that's what the game is kind of about and and you are very much like an outsider perspective on all of this for the most part um but i think like the game kind of explores that both narratively and also mechanically, which I think is really well done. So like the first game and definitely infinite uh, have some real issues with combat where it just like doesn't feel like they focused on the first person shooter side of it that much, uh, which I think works to the first game's credit because you're just exploring the world more than anything else. Uh, but it very much is Disney World. You know, you're just like kind of walking around Main Street USA and just saying, like, "Ooh, <laughs> it's exactly like Disney World. <laughs> Bioshock one is Disney World. <laughs> With a wrench. Yeah. Just um, like it in Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bi- Bi- I know you're trying to say it. So I had to jump in. Yeah. Bi- Bioshock one is uh, you're just kind of like walking around this place and exploring it. But also they try and put some combat in there. You have plasmids, but plasmids are really just like I shoot lightning at the water. And now it's electric light. And now it's electric water. Um, or you light someone on fire and they run around screaming or whatever. Uh, and then you shoot them in the head with a pistol or something. I do like how the plasmids in the first game. And this is another like not to keep dunking on infinite but like <laughs> the plasmids were like a taste of the power that the residents sought after yeah. and led to their ruin so like kind of like using the blood and yarnum like you're mm, yes using an item that helps you in the game so you can see why people are fighting over it but like is the cause of ruin in the society right whereas in infinite you just get it you can just summon birds out of your arm yeah in infinite starts with you walking around like a fairground and somebody's like check out these vigors <laughs> yeah would you like to uh have a like what is it called it's bucking bronco they're like check this out it's called bucking bronco you could use it to make the devil pop up from behind a couch it's like okay (laughs) cool and then you just like you just chug it and then like later on uh i think it's like you can't even leave they give you a vigor that's just like um the ability to uh possess machines Mm. uh which really just means that you can like open doors and there are a lot of turrets that are shooting at you and you can possess the turrets to shoot other enemies because they just throw so many fucking enemies at you in that game doesn't make any yeah. goddamn sense but yeah that's really it and there's really no exploration of what's going on with the vigors it's just that they exist um and then it's implied story-wise that they ripped through a wormhole and just pulled plasmids out of rapture and put them into uh yeah. columbia and like they're the same thing so like they should be having the same effects but they don't right. anyway not to metachlorian Medi- adjacent energy coming out there yeah. yeah um that's all the stuff that those two games are doing the, the sandwiching games for bioshock 2 bioshock 2 uh really does engage with this idea that like plasmas fuck you up and kill you um and and a lot of that comes from the fact that like the game puts you in the position of a big daddy 
which means in a lot of instances you are walking around with a little sister and the little sisters have to suck up Adam is their whole deal, right? So what you have to do in a lot of instances is walk around with this little sister, go find a body that has a bunch of Adam and then put the little sister down and she will have to suck the Adam out of that dead body. Now in Bioshock 1, they did this really brilliant thing. I think it still really holds up like from a combat and exploration and just like RPG perspective. You see the big daddies walking around, they won't hurt you unless you hurt them. Until you start to attack either them or the little sister like they will not attack you back you you can go around and you can like mentally and physically prepare yourself for the battle with the big daddy and it's always gonna be difficult bioshock 2 does the inverse of that which i think is really cool which is that because you have the little sister with you anytime you put it down or put her down to uh, suck the atom out of a dead body, it means that uh, you are now leaving her vulnerable to attack. Uh, so you're generally being attacked by two groups. It's either splicers who are following the word of, you know, the, the big evil bad person, or the people who are like on the outside of that, you know, like in, in, so, in saying, you know, we're only going to make it through this if we work together. Uh, she has like accidentally created this like class stratification in Rapture where there are people who are following her uh, and and her every word to the point of like failure or people who are left outside of that and have absolutely nothing and are like really like backed up against the corner like fighting for survival tooth and nail and you will get one of those two groups coming after you when you put the little sister down um, what they also improved in Bioshock 2 is the combat from the first one because Bioshock 2 first of all you have this rivet gun you have the the, uh, the drill on one hand which fucking owns it's really fun but you also have plasmids and some of the plasmids are geared more towards like setting traps and, and putting them around the environment to like go off when a splicer is near them or when an enemy is near them. Um, so what it means is you're not just looking at this place. You're not just walking around looking out a window in Rapture and saying like, cool that a squid went by the, the big tower that's underwater. And then you walk on and you <laughs> do that again later. This is yeah. like, okay, I'm going to put this trap and attach it to this fucking bookshelf. You know, like you're really... Uh, you're really interacting with the world in a way that's like way more meaningful, I think. Um, and it's it's no question. I mean, it, it makes sense to me now in retrospect that Minerva's Den, which is like I think what most people consider to be the best piece of Bioshock content that exists, is DLC for Bioshock 2 and not DLC for Bioshock 1. Because that this game is just like asking you to interact with the world in such like a deep and rich way in a way that the first and third, uh, Infinite being the third, really don't at all. So it makes a lot more sense that they'd be able to tell a much more interesting narrative tale in the environment in two than one. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think like just improving the combat and like actually saying something in the story just makes this the actual sequel people wanted to Bioshock. And a lot of people skipped it because I think when it was reviewed at the time um, and not, you know, I'm not pointing at critics and be like, ah, you fucked up. But like <laughs> I, you wronged a masterpiece. <laughs> I think at the time, a lot of people just looked at it and said, oh, it's more of the same. You know, you're playing as yeah. a big daddy, so you feel a little bit stronger. But that's kind of it. I think this game actually does solve a lot of the problems that people had with the first one um, and definitely solves a lot of the problems people had with the third one because there are reasons why you're being attacked in two. There are reasons why you're being attacked in one. The reasons why you're under fire in, in three are like bizarre. You know, uh, it, it, it's just like we're going to throw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dudes at you and then at a certain point you're attacking fucking ghosts and shit like 
it's why there's like uh george washington automatons with like mini guns that are attacking you in three it is like it just doesn't make sense it's a smorgasbord of nonsense in that game and and two is like actually a really interesting interrogation of rapture and like where it would be at this point it really seems like the developers like took a long hard look at what bioshock one did right what people didn't like about bioshock one like the actual criticisms that people had that they could fix within their power and like did all of it. They acted on all of it. Yeah. I think the big thing that people were bummed about when it came out was like, oh, they added multiplayer to the single player game. So that must mean that the single player is lacking. And I don't think that's the case at all, really. Um, upon revisiting it, I, th- I think it fucking owns. And I think if you are a fan of Bioshock as a, like an idea um, and you haven't played two, you should definitely do it. Play one first if you haven't played one, because one does still hold up. One's a classic. Yeah. If you like, I think we, you know, we did a bonus episode recently about the Arkham games and like you can feel the Bioshock influ- influence in Arkham Asylum yeah. for sure and other games that came out after yeah. it's a hugely influential game which is also I mean just to bring up Arkham again it's why I'm so interested in checking out Arkham Origins as well is yeah. because that's the game that was created because Arkham Knight was taking so long to make the same way Bioshock 2 was and and as Tam mentioned in that episode like Arkham Origins is kind of weirdly overlooked and probably really good um, and is doing some interesting stuff and that's very much the lens that I was viewing Bioshock 2 through as I was playing it um, yeah it's really cool it's a good video game that's really fascinating I mean I'm, I'm definitely excited to finally check it out because I've only played one and in, in infinite and um you know I, I think like there's a pretty i think there's a pretty noticeable shift in perspective on infinite now than when it came out um i think yeah. a lot of people have commented on like the sort of like potentially accidental but present both sides ism that happens as you go on you know in that game yeah and, like, the, the, my big issue with that game upon replaying it um it is essentially just that like okay so obviously father comstock the guy who runs columbia is like a fucking nightmare dude you know he's like very openly racist in all the audio logs that you pick up um, yeah. just like a horrible dude uh, and then you meet the vox populi who are the who are the resistance members and then you you like hang out with them and you see that they're like living in squalor and it's like real it's it's awful down there you know but then they start confronting you with all the violence that the vox populi are doing and they never stop to ask the question like why is this their last recourse you know you don't yeah. you don't see the decades or years or whatever of oppression that they've been under that makes this kind of revolution the only thing that they're capable of doing or the only thing that they can do to make change and it just it it really like feels like irrational games just like looking at the camera and being like well there are extremes on both sides and both sides are bad it's like that's not the fucking case whatsoever the fascist racist nightmare people (laughs) are the bad guys right yeah like you um, set it up to be a pretty easy take, you know, like, yeah. yeah, I think, um, I mean, that game's trying to do a lot and, and it's very stretched thin, like even playing it when it came out, I remember feeling a little bit like emotionally confused. Yeah. By I played game. the whole game in one sitting the day it came out, uh, and did not engage with it mentally at all. I just right, was like, right. wow, that was a video game. And I really only thought about the end of it. TBH, like the, yeah. the, the whole, the last 20 minutes where you're like exploring all the different lighthouses and stuff and all the different versions of Bioshock 2 that could exist. Because let's be real, Irrational Games thought that this was Bioshock 2. They really considered this to be the sequel to Bioshock. They yeah. didn't consider Bioshock 2 at all, I think. Which they, they do a little bit mechanically because they the Vigors have uh, like traps that you can set in the same way you can in 2. But also because the game is just like linear hallways with no exploration and no like real arena battles, you're not actually using the traps or setting them up in any way because you're already in combat by the time you have to use a plasmid, which is very silly. 
Yeah, there's sort of like a lack of awareness and like a lot of inward facing, I feel like, in the third game where like by nature of it being a sequel, Infinite is like kind of obsessed with its own game, you know, it's obsessed about being a sequel, which can be interesting. But well, there are some games that do that in a really interesting way, right? Like I think another sequel that I think gets overlooked uh, in a lot of instances because there are some actual like mechanic downsides, I think in it, but hotline Miami two is very much a game about being a sequel and is yeah. really fucking cool. Um, there's some really interesting stuff happening in hotline Miami two. Um, I mean, it's not the first I mean, near automata is that exploration over and over and over and over yeah, and over yeah, again yeah. Uh, and is very successful. And it's like such a bummer to see Bioshock infinite fumble on like every thematic idea it has simultaneously. And then also yeah. fuck up the game mechanic. So really, you're just left with like a very pretty world that you don't enjoy being in um, and you don't get to look (laughs) at because you're constantly being shot at. There's like you don't get to enjoy Bioshock Infinite really in any point, except for the very beginning when you shoot into the sky and it goes hallelujah. And it's like, wow, that is still very impactful moment. And then there is not one for another like three hours. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you've convinced me to check out, too. I'm excited to to see what that game has going on. Yeah, man. I really think you would like to a lot, um, especially yeah, like, like years later. I think, you know, years yeah. removed from Bioshock. I feel like everybody could like use a little, you know, visitation to Rapture. I think people would enjoy that. Uh, if you haven't played two, definitely check it out. You can play it on your Xbox Series S when it shows up. Um, oh, yeah. Because I think I think you can get them separately. I don't think you have to get the whole trilogy together. Oh, OK, gotcha. That, that, that works out. So well. you could just pick up two. Hell yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. I'm I'm very excited. I feel like uh, overlooked sequels, like our new obsession, <laughs> you know, it's cool to discover in retrospect. Yeah. Uh, I think it goes into what we're saying, too, about like sometimes there's like a rush to have like a critical consensus about a game like the minute it comes out. And here we are discussing a game years later, one that was like pretty well received that like I think a lot of people have turned around on, you know, infinite. Yeah. And and to you know, maybe being overlooked. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's cool. Uh, uh, Stay tuned for uh, an episode about dark souls (laughs) too. Oh yeah. My other, Uh, my other big sequel that I think people should play and revisit. Get prepped for Gex. Enter the gecko. Uh, The the second (laughs) entry. Everybody knows enter the gecko is better than the first one. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's pretty common consensus amongst Gex fans. (laughs) Gex fans. Let's take a break. <laughs> Let's take a break and uh, we'll answer some of the questions we got on Twitter. Welcome to Rapture. My name is Gix. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> is that how he sounds? I no. I just remember the, the I was trying intro to do a cup. mix between Gex and Andrew Ryan. Andrew Gex Ryan. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, let's uh let's take a break. And Andrew, come back. yeah, baby Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Infinite really fumbled when Andrew, yeah, baby, Ryan showed up. And he's like, I am one of many villains that could possibly exist. I do. I do. Uh, before we move on, I do want to go into uh, Bioshock Infinite and play Burial at Sea, which is the like before the calamity version of Rapture. I think you play as a uh. private eye like exploring rapture like the night of the new year's party where it all goes to shit um which seems like it would be a cool idea yeah that could be excuse me that could be interesting i think as you and i uh, both very much agree on though like setting the first game after that has happened is the more interesting take like seeing rapture in its heyday is like not as exciting because it doesn't really it just kind of like means that you're actually taking no stance on like exceptionalist ideas um, which like yeah. you should take a stance on that. 
uh but i don't know i'll check yeah. it out maybe i'll report back if it's really fun i know aj's played it hi aj um hi. i think i think he liked it a lot anyway let's uh, take a break and move on we got a bunch of listener questions and i can't yeah. wait to talk about them very excited see you soon goodbye play dark souls 2 Hey, uh, we tweeted shortly before recording that we were looking for some questions just for fun, just to live a little, you know, and we got a bunch of good ones. So we're going to answer them. Speaking of live a little, have you been playing Animal Crossing recently? Oh, yeah. I play it every day. Living a little. Hey, welcome to a little mini living a little segment. I I got really (laughs) into it. Um, I I started playing again during the Halloween update. Um, And uh, yeah, it was so the Halloween event was so fun. And now that it's like fall, fall. Oh my god, it's so good. I'm I'm so surprised because usually summer is my favorite season in Animal Crossing and I completely skipped the summer. Like every time I tuned in, I was like, eh, I don't really want to be playing this. But for yeah. some reason, walking around, crunchy leaves, wearing coats, collecting mushrooms, fall is awesome. Yeah, it's been fun. I mean, the Halloween event was really cool. I got a couple new uh, villagers. Um, don't worry, Barado's still there. I just got Pippi the rabbit she rolls nice. uh yeah it's it's been a good time i'm at a point where like i haven't really done any new projects or anything but i've just sort of been like checking in Same. in the morning yeah that's really which is, like kind of ideally what i want it to be but it's still such a nice thing i mean it's still fun to visit other people's islands i have a couple friends who just got into it recently so like oh nice seeing their island as they're beginning to play it is like so wonderful um yeah and like all the stuff they've added is just like really cool i'm excited to see what happens in the winter as well at least for you know northern hemisphere yeah um, yeah i think it'll be really interesting I'm, I'm hoping for like another kind of like bigger update sometime soon I, I would like them to add some new like major functionality within the next like yeah. month or so before the year's out at least that'd be cool I'd be, I'd be into that but yeah i mean i think we'll probably do another live in a little segment soon to kind of go more into detail of like whatever the next big thing is yeah it's been really nice. It's kind of, you know, it's just a nice ritual to have. I don't even really like sell anything anymore, though. I just sort of like say hi to Berto and then sign off. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I go fishing a little bit and yeah. collect some mushrooms and like check the fossils because I have two fossils left and I have like awful luck. I just cannot get my last two fossils. Oh, I just got all the fossils recently. Yeah, I was very proud of myself. Ugh, Thank you, Sadie, for sending me a saber tooth tiger tail. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you want to yeah. answer some questions? Yeah, let's do it. Live a little. That was a sign off. Uh, <laughs> hey, Matt Broderick. On I just Twitter. realized I think Living oh. a Little is the My Little Pony theme song, isn't it? I thought it was Reading Rainbow. Is it Reading Rainbow? Yeah. Uh, it's it has that kind of 80s, 90s jingle. Yeah. You can change it if you want. No, I, I, you I don't want to get sued. I, I think we're in it. <laughs> yeah. It has that like toy marketing yeah. of like that that's like permanently in our heads forever. Very much. I right. baby so real. Yeah. It always scared me as a kid. Awful, terrifying. Baby so real. It was very every every commercial is just that song. Yeah. Okay. Matt Broderick on Twitter asks us, "Hey, would be cool to hear your thoughts on the Mass Effect trilogy remaster announcement." Stoked. <laughs> Not bothered? Factor into any decision making for next... Oh, does it factor into any decision making for next gen buying? Interesting. I like that. I just liked that question on Twitter. Yeah, well, because Steven doesn't want to talk about Mass Effect because he doesn't like it, I guess I'll take this <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, please. I need to think about this for a second. <laughs> Can you take it off my hands? Also, just want to say real quick before I do my spiel in a few seconds, <laughs> I just got a special satisfaction that Trump got voted out on N7 Day, which is like big <laughs> Mass Effect Day. Like... 
so good to me. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I think I described it as, it's as if Riker just kicked him in the nuts. Like <laughs> it's exactly the kind of energy I wanted. So anyway, you were going to say, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm opening the floor to you. I mean, this is, oh. this is your video game. Oh my God. Yeah. Of course I'm stoked. I mean, I am a huge Mass Effect fan. I've said that a lot. We haven't like done an episode about it and I'm sure that will change once this comes out. Yeah. But I'm a huge fan of this trilogy. I wrote about it. I wrote about two specifically on our medium and like uh, I wrote like what are good gateway RPGs two was the first one I played weirdly I played two and then three and then I went back to one and played through all of them again and they all are great you know one is a little bit rough mechanically but like they're all really wonderful and I think two is the that seems to be the consensus like two is the one that's the one that I've played uh, yeah and loved but a remaster I mean all, all I really need because I think remaster is kind of an ambiguous term I'd have to double check if they had like specified what went into it but like having one through three in one place with all the dlc is like really kind of all i wanted because there hasn't been a way to like get that for a long time and like three for a while you could only get if you had origins like there was a bunch of stuff you know with that that was kind of annoying at the time you know back in like 1996 when it came out (laughs) but uh yeah, I'm I'm so excited. I mean, I'm probably going to stream that. I'd love to like go through all of them. I also haven't I played the DLC of 3, Leviathan and Citadel. Oh, incredible. So good. And the Lair of the Shadow Broker from Mass Effect 2 is also like incredible, especially if you like Liara, cool Liara <laughs> content. Um, but I haven't played uh there are two pieces of DLC for Mass Effect 2 that add two characters mm. and I haven't played those. Um it, does does it add them to the entire story? Yeah, yeah. So uh in Mass Effect 2 So playing Legendary Edition technically then playing Mass Effect 2 in Legendary Edition would mean that you would start the game with all the DLC. So you would just have yeah. like extra characters. That's it's awesome. just gonna be part of the story. Yeah. That's so cool. uh, okay. so I was for, I was a little bit iffy about going back and playing two again in Legendary Edition because like I've already done it. So I was going to play one and three potentially, but now I'm a little bit more inclined to you go, gotta go through again. the whole thing. I also, you don't even, you didn't finish two, did you? No. Yeah. So like that's again, I know I'm a broken record, but like that is where the game peaks. I think mm. the, the last mission of that game is it all kind of boils up to that moment yeah. and uh, it's really well done. But anyway, yeah, the, I think the two characters in two are Zaid and Kasumi. One Zaid's like a Australian ex mercenary and uh, Kasumi is like, uh, like a thief, like a, Thief for the Heart of Gold. Cool. Um, Great. Also, we'll say the a lot of people didn't get it because it was like clearly supposed to be part of the game, but EA was like, I want more money. <laughs> uh, there's, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, I surprise myself with these voices sometimes. You always do it when I'm taking a sip of water. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, from Aspect 3, uh, Javik was the DLC party member who is a Prothean. You'll love this. Like, there's a scene... So, the Protheans in Mass Effect lore are like this ancient galactic race that have gone extinct. They're they're no longer there, but yeah. a lot of their technology was left behind. And in 3, you find, a, like, a Prothean in, like, a you know, like cryogenic chamber basically. And the way it does it cinematically is it shows Javik like when the Reapers wiped out the Protheans. So his like in a rush, like trying to save people, then he like jumps in and it's as if he wakes up like the next second in this, you know, future. And he's a great character because he is, you know, from this distant past and Liara 
for those familiar, she's an archaeologist and she's like her whole life has been like studying the proteins. So she's so geeked out to meet him. And he's like, you can talk like you used to eat flies and like live in swamps. Like, you know, the Asari <laughs> can talk now. Like, what is this? Where am I? Um, oh, my God. It's a great that character. Awesome. Yeah. And locking him behind DLC was such a shitty thing. So like playing Mass Effect 3 with Javik is like it adds so much to that story. Yeah. So I'm, as you can tell, very excited. They're also working on a new Mass Effect game, which like that can go either way at this point. Yeah, they made they made a lot of points in their announcement to uh, mention that it's like uh, an old team or like a like an experienced a Mass Effect team. team. Yeah, yeah. I, which I that kind of rubs me the wrong way. That messaging, I don't, I couldn't really put my finger on why, but it almost feels a little like icky. But yeah, especially given like we know that Bioware has that kind of internal structure of like there's the Canadian office, which is like, you know, the people who the veteran teams who worked on Mass Effect and Dragon Age. And there's the Austin and I think San Francisco. Anyway, there's like a hierarchy internally where like, yeah, certain people work on different projects. Um, It almost feels like, oh, we're not going to let those Mass Effect Andromeda people touch the franchise ever again. It's It's like like, they "Eh." weren't the issue. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) you can let new people write stories. Right. Uh, Yeah. I, I agree. I, I just think, honestly, though, I think Bioware is so, like, if there's ever a, a fan backlash you want to avoid, it's Bioware. <laughs> like, cause they're probably just like, we just don't want to get harassed for one day, please. Yeah. And, you know, that, that shit sucks. So, but yeah. On my end, I'm very excited for Mass Effect Legendary Edition. I'm going to have a good time. It's spring 2021. So it's a little bit of a ways off. Uh, and the trailer they released, quote unquote, no footage at all of gameplay. So really... Remains to be seen what that thing is going to look like. But the reports we've heard, I think, internally uh, are are essentially that, like, they were working on this remaster and then they had to push it because they they realized that in replaying Mass Effect 1, the game mechanically is like such a rough game, uh, especially compared to what happens in 2 and 3, that they thought that people buying it and playing Mass Effect 1 would turn them off from playing 2 and 3, which I thought was really interesting. So yeah. it seems like they might do some quality of life stuff to Mass Effect 1 if those reports are true, which I think is a really good step. <laughs> I think it's a good move. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's weird because Mass Effect 1 is like harder to play than like Knights of the Old Republic is. <laughs> and I think it's okay. because it's this weird hybrid of like the classic Bioware combat, but they try to do real-time shooting mm. and they hadn't figured it out yet. Yeah. Whereas like 2, you're basically just playing Gears of War, you know, with like magical space stuff Mm -hmm. you know like it's cover based shooting it's fun it's pretty straightforward you're also not playing it for that you're playing it for the story right but yeah the the best feeling you can get from that trilogy as it stands is like when you upload your save file from one into two and you're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> this is <laughs> immediately so much better. Yeah. But yeah, I, uh, the fact that I that's all really... going to happen seamlessly now is also very exciting. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, there, were <laughs> there were some glitches with three that uh, some of my friends had where like they uploaded their shepherd because you upload your save file from each game. Right. So your decisions carry over and your shepherd carries over. Uh, but like my friend, like his shepherd glitched out. So like his his face got all changed so he had to like completely change how his shepherd looked for that for the last <laughs> game so that won't happen hopefully yeah um but yeah uh super pumped thank you for asking i am so excited to talk about mass effect more in the future yeah it's gonna be fun uh okay moving on joshua clark one on twitter at joshua clark one any thoughts on what ps4 exclusives might get future patches slash upgrades maybe a spider-man style upgrade for horizon zero dawn and what about bloodborne so from what I've seen already from a lot of the conversations about the PS5 um, is that there are some like latent upgrades that are just happening in general. So like Bloodborne, for example, I think the the loading time for that game has been cut like 
I think over half. So it takes like 10 seconds to load Bloodborne now, which is a huge improvement from where it was at. So that's cool. Um, the other thing that I found really interesting is that like some games are having little weird graphical glitches um, or there are like warnings that pop up before you open them. I think it was the GameSpot overview of the PS5 that showed the Arkham trilogy specifically, like having a big warning that pops up when you try and open it. That's like this game might not work as expected. And like it has some weird like frame rate problems. Um, Resident Evil 7, for example, the sky just like doesn't work uh, oh, wow. on the PS5, which is kind of a bad spot for it to be in. So I'll be really interested to see if patches come out to like fix that stuff, but also like take it a step further. It'd be really interesting to see games get supported for that long, you know. But I think if if things are going to be backwards compatible forever, potentially, um, you got to kind of put that work in, you know, in, in those instances. Um, if you want them to continue running forever and you want to keep making money, right? Which I imagine every <laughs> every publisher wants. Um, Your eyes just looked around like a nervous Oblivion NPC. That was amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think um, we're already seeing like some upgrades happen just by virtue of the hardware being better. And that's cool. Um, anything beyond that, I think is going to be, you know, icing on the cake. Like if there's like a big God of War update, I would love to go back and play New Game Plus in that game with like a ps5 performance improvement that'd be sick uh so yeah yeah i also wouldn't be surprised too if like for the first year of ps5 games come out for both systems kind of like miles is yeah yeah that's already i mean yeah that's microsoft's whole mo right already um they're just like you don't have to buy the next gen everything's going to be available for all consoles for the foreseeable future which is awesome great yeah that's Um, amazing and i I think like you're saying the same is going to be true of sony for a while at least uh cool moving on thank you for your question josh uh at glenn mccann if you previously didn't think visual novels were for you but 13 sentinels changed that what do you recommend checking out next oh man it's a great question i mean it's tough after how do you follow 13 sentinels for visual novels um, it's rough. I'll just recommend other games that like have a very heavy focus on like games that are, you know, like 90% dialogue in that way. Mm. Night in the Woods is a big one. You know, you it's that's a pretty beloved game. You you probably have heard of it already. But um, if you haven't played it, I would highly recommend it, especially for fall right now. It's a great fall game. Yeah, it's probably one of the best written games like dialogue wise. I, I think it's like crushingly real despite how cartoony it is. We talked about it like real early on uh, in the first season of our show. If you want to hear that. Yeah. Otherwise, I would say you liked 13 Sentinels. I'm trying to think of like a more 13 Sentinels type story. I would recommend, I haven't played them, but everybody talks about them is the Danganronpa games. Mm, um, one, okay. one and two, everybody says are amazing. I've always wanted to play them. They're on Vita and I didn't play them and I regret that deeply. Um, I think they're available on PS4 now, but I'm, I'm just like weirdly hoping that they show up on Switch eventually, um, yeah. which they might have already. I just haven't checked in a long time, but I do check every once in a while to see if those games are going to be on Switch um, because they are apparently very good. So those two, To the Moon, uh, which is available on Switch, I think, or maybe is coming soon. But that game is awesome. If you want a good visual novel with a really interesting like sci-fi plot um, that is weirdly eerily similar to a lot of stuff happening in 13 Sentinels, To the Moon is a great pick. 
Also, I would recommend watching Your Name, the movie. Uh, <laughs> you'll probably really yeah, like it. I, yeah, watch it. movies also. Yeah, watch movies. Um, I feel like there's a lot of Evangelion in 13 Sentinels, but there's a lot of Your Name, I think, as well, mm-hmm. which is sort of like, it, it's a it's a really clever take on like a body swap story that goes into more interesting directions as it goes on. Yeah. Um, uh, two, another huge movie. You'll, you've probably heard of it, but I just it's, it's relevant to 13 Sentinels. Two real quick ones also um on switch they have the uh phoenix wright ace attorney collection yeah um which i've heard great things about uh, another series that i haven't really engaged with but would probably enjoy a lot just given my sensibilities um and also just kind of like a left field one but persona also feels like a visual novel at times i mean there's obviously a lot of gameplay happening in there but those games are very dialogue heavy. Um, oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. And Phoenix Wright has the sort of like point and clicky elements that their Sentinels has with like the puzzle solving yeah. and the core cases and great music. The best thing about that series is the music. Yeah. Edgeworth. Love him. Love that guy. <laughs> uh, cool. Moving on. Thank you, Glenn at the Sioux. Oh, one on Twitter says uh, discussion of isometric roller coaster tycoon games and roller coaster tycoon three and planet coaster 3d games thoughts on parkitect mm. so right off the bat uh parkitect is uh, a, a just kind of like a roller coaster tycoon adjacent game um that is like coming up at the moment it seems um planet coaster is another one of those it's been out a little bit longer um, it just seems like people are like picking up where the roller coaster tycoon franchise left off and is like, let's just make a, you know, more modern version of those. Uh, so those are two angles on that. Uh, Planet Coaster, I have played a shitload of and is so good. Um, I don't really know a whole lot about Parkitect just because I don't have a PC that can run it. But I mean, just based on the stuff I've seen about it, people seem to like it a lot. So that's cool. Um yeah, I played, <laughs> for those of you who uh, were watching our streams or have been watching our streams, I played some Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 on stream the other night, uh, which was like a really silly time. Um, Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 is available on the Nintendo Switch for some reason um, and runs surprisingly well, but is like the most 2003-ass game of all time. Uh, it is so <laughs> funny. I mean, it's just like Sky everywhere. Everyone's wearing Jinko jeans. Yeah. The, all the people who show up at your parks are called peeps instead of like, uh, I don't know, instead of like guests or visitors or whatever. It's very silly. But yeah, I will say about Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 holds up or is like more interesting than I remember it being. I remember Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 coming out and people being like, eh, just go play one and two more instead. Um, I think Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 does a pretty good job. Where it got a little rough was when I tried to change the like elevation of the world uh, and it like completely broke the park to the point where I needed to stop playing the game and I switched over to Minecraft. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're like, let's add some hills and everyone is screaming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was supposed to be like a chill stream and then it ended up with like the park in shambles. Uh, it was, it yeah. was very not was chill like, at all. Full audio of all the guests vomiting constantly. It's like, <laughs> it's like in every part of my stereo. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I growing up played a shitload of Roller Coaster Tycoon 1 and 2. Love those games. Love them. Love them. Um, I have them on my phone also um, and I still play them every once in a while. They're great. Yeah, I really liked the original game. Um, I also really liked Sim Theme Park. Uh, mm. Another overlooked. It was less yeah. creative with like how you can make the roller coaster, um, and it was probably extremely 2003 as well. Yeah, but I remember liking it as a kid. And you could play around with like the actual theme, so you can make like a Halloween theme park. You can make like a you know nautical theme park. Yeah, that's what Roller Coaster Tycoon did. Uh, roller Coaster Tycoon Two did really well. Was like allow you to actually yeah. like theme your theme parks in a real way. Um, yeah, totally. And it seems like three. Is 
trying to do that. And honestly, uh, the the like newer crop of games are also doing that in a really, really wonderful way. Um, but the only one I can vouch for really is Planet Coaster, which I really love. Um, but, mm. Yeah. Hell yeah. And uh, uh, last question here um, at Sadie Posting. Thank you, Sadie. Oh, hi, Sadie. Uh, she warns us in the beginning, you don't have to talk about it because there's nothing less relevant. <laughs> okay. Sadie, you know us. This is why we're doing this. But... I'd love some speculation on which Andrew Lloyd Webber musical would make the best video game and why. So full circle, we're back to we're back to the musical theater. All right, I got two I, right off the bat. Okay, go for it. Yeah. Okay, School of Rock, but it's like a rock band esque situation. <laughs> um, okay. And not uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber, but you know it is uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber oh, did the musical adaptation. Yeah. Oh, never mind. I'm sorry. Yeah. God. Jesus, you're one upping me. Yeah. Uh, and Fan- Phantom of the Opera, Bloodborne. <laughs> Yeah, I think you and I are both avoiding Cats the video game. This is not fully seal our fate. It's yeah, it's not even that I'm avoiding it. I just I just don't know how you would adapt that into a video game. I feel like something about the vibe of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat I think could make a fun game. Yeah, that's just uh, Wadham. <laughs> <laughs> Kaboom. How I love my coat of many colors. Kaboom. <laughs> <laughs> oh i love my coat of many colors yeah i like i like bloodborne phantom yeah what is the plot of phantom of the opera do you remember i don't really yeah you know as much as i love musicals i don't think i've actually ever seen it it's just one of those oh, really? things that like is so yeah i mean like we grew up in north jersey in and out of new york like we saw ads for that musical everywhere it's like every you end up in new york city and you're advertised phantom of the opera you know yeah but I, I think it's just like a dude in an opera house. <laughs> it's like a, it's a love story, but he's like kind of a like a reject. You know, he's a strange phantom, right? I have big news. Okay, yeah. What is the plot? This is like I guarantee it's so much weirder than I think it is. I haven't even gotten to that because as I was typing it in, I typed in Phantom of the Opera. And, uh-huh. then I, and I hit enter and then Google said, based on your recent search history, would you like to search for Phantom of the Opera game? So I said, yes. Oh, my God. Mystery Legends, the Phantom of the Opera available for iPad, iPhone, Android and Mac. Uh, OK, it, it is. It is a uh, it's like an I spy kind of game, apparently. So there already is a Phantom of the Opera game. Yeah, apparently. And it's available for like everything. Wow. Maybe we should That's talk amazing. about this eventually. The bonus episode. Bonus episode. <laughs> um, all right. Anyway, Phantom of the Opera. All right. We're here. We're here. We're here. Phantom of the Opera is a British musical uh, with music by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Uh-huh. 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 Let's get to the plot. Plot, 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 plot. Okay. Get to the good stuff. Synopsis. In 1905 Paris, the Opera Populaire hosts an auction of old theater memorabilia. Among the attendees is an elderly Victome Raoul de Cagny. Uh, who purchases a paper mache music box with a monkey figurine. The auctioneer then presents a shattered chandelier renovated with electrical wiring, mm-hmm. alluding to a connection with the strange affair of the fan of the opera, a mystery never fully explained. Okay, so this is this is like the uh, opening scene of Aladdin, in a way. Okay, just like somebody telling you that there's an interesting story. That <laughs> Street rat, just a little snack, guys. Still, I think he's rat. <laughs> <laughs> I have a theory that no one knows what this is about. No it's, one knows the plot. Yeah, it, there's there doesn't seem to be a very like quick way of wrapping it up outside of there's a bunch of people who are working on an opera and there is a person who lives in the opera house uh, who falls in love with, I think, the lead of the opera. Yeah, right. Um, and it seems to be about 
like an unrequited love kind of almost like a hunchback of notre dame situation i think that's what i was thinking yeah um how do you turn that into a video game it's a great question maybe it's not it's a sort of a guitar hero like you just hear it. <laughs> ba, da, 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 ba, da, da, da. you did it you're the phantom wow okay so may- maybe this isn't maybe Honestly, maybe Android Led Weber is doing a really good job just writing things that can only be musicals. Maybe that's what yeah. we're learning here. He's like, I'm tired of the emails. I'm not making a Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat rescan of Wadham. Sorry. <laughs> Honestly, it's probably Cats. Maybe like a Jackbox game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Like a Jackbox yeah, it's, it's, party it's, game. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's uh, Mario Party. Winner gets to die. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. This <laughs> It's cats. You gotta say to it's cats, oh, okay? Man. It's cats. It's always been cats. I can't believe we tried to avoid cats for so long, yeah. and here it is. We're like, maybe it's um, you know, Sunday in the Park with George. No, it's cats. <laughs> uh, a good Sondheim game, Sweeney Todd. You could do a very good Bloodborne, Sweeney Todd. Oh yeah, that'd game, be really fun. I feel like <laughs> Company, the RPG. Here's to the ladies. Hold <laughs> on. Okay. Uh, I think that's it. I think we're gonna wrap up. Yeah. Hey, uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, we really appreciate all the support. Um, we, you know, this has been, I mean, you know, it's, it's been a really rough couple years and this has been like an especially rough couple weeks. Um, the fact that we're able to still make this show is, is really a, a relief for the two of us. And we're really happy that a lot of you seem to find comfort in it. That's like the biggest compliment ever that we can make things a little bit easier in this, in this rough period of history, just constantly blown away by that high praise. And I realize this might be a weird emotional left turn after, uh, singing cats jackbox party <laughs> game but you know what you're signing up for when you're this far into an episode um but for real we we love you all we we love doing this show um it's just unreal so just thank you right off the top like thank you before we do our usual sign off thank you so much for letting us be able to do this absolutely yeah it it, it feels so nice it feels like such a relief I, I don't know this episode feels looser than usual and i think that's just because you and i just have like to bring Drank two bottles of wine last night. Oh wait, yeah, outside outside of that, uh, <laughs> I, I it's to bring it back to Bioshock. It's like we're Atlas and like the Earth was lifted off of our shoulders in a way. That's like the, the level of <laughs> yeah. relief that I felt yesterday. Oh, totally. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. Just future's bright, friends, or at least it's brighter. Absolutely. It's a lot of work yeah. to do. Don't get me wrong. Right. Um, but yeah, oof, really good. Anyway, yeah, thank you all so much for listening to all of it and for just being wonderful and for asking questions when we ask to ask questions and things like that. I don't know. It's just really nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, you can follow us all over the place. Go to into the castle online. Honestly, maybe we could just keep this one short. Go to into the castle online. It's links to everything. Um, if you want to really like super help the show, we have a Patreon. Please don't back it. If it impacts you negatively financially in any way, thank you to everybody who is continuing to do that really means a lot. Uh, and join the discord discord's cool links also at into the castle online. Yeah, um, we got some fun stuff ahead of us, too. I think we're going to stream more this week. Brendan, you were saying you're going to resume the Link's Awakening morning streams. Ah, those I'm going to go back so to Bloodborne. Fun. Yeah, dude, they're great. They're so That game is so good. Yeah, it looks awesome. I've been wanting because I have also... It's the Bioshock 2 of the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, I love my coat of many colors. Um, but yeah, I uh, I've been playing Animal Crossing while you stream that. And it's just like pure morning bliss. Oh, nice. That's great. Um, but yeah, I'll be resuming my Bloodborne playthrough. I was gonna do it this Friday, but I was like, do I really want to fight the Bloodstarved Beast as I await election results? <laughs> no, said I. Yeah. But I'm very excited to to fight the Bloodstarved Beast now. And I got my Xbox on Tuesday, so expect some stuff from that. Probably like surprise drop last minute. Yeah, I do think Steve and I are going to try and figure out what the streaming situation is because it's a little bit up in the air right now. I think not a lot of people really know or have tried or have like written articles about how you're supposed to be streaming from new consoles. So I'm hoping I'm, I'm hopeful that there are better stream tools integrated into both of those consoles, both the Xbox and the PS5. But you know, it remains to be seen. Yeah, I've kind of just been assuming that, but yeah, we'll find out together. Yeah. Uh, and if not, we'll, you know, one day we'll make it work. I've got to get a new computer since so maybe that will be the straw that breaks the camel's back that reveals a new camel inside that has a computer <laughs> that can stream. A yeah. molting camel of possibilities. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening. Uh, I think that's it. Do you want to wrap up? Yeah. Do you want to sign off like for real, for real? Yeah, that sounds good. My name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. Have a wonderful day. Do something nice for yourself. Stay hydrated. Yeah. And uh, love yourself and love others. Goodbye. Please. Goodbye. Garbage dot online.